The time ahead will be an exciting period of change for the industry. A change led by what I consider to be some of the most promising trends like digitalization, energy storage, new technologies like AI, blockchain, 5G, and the hydrogen revolution. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar energy consulting firm and development company. Our website's reneuenergy.com. I'm excited on this episode to interview Andrea Barber. She's the CEO and co-founder for Rated Power. Rated Power has developed a game-changing technology that helps companies discover smarter ways to maximize the potential of a solar PV plant. They transform traditional engineering through the optimization and automation of processes using digital technologies and calculations. Rated Power has the leading software tool called PV Design to design and optimize utility-scale solar projects, maximizing the potential of PV plants and reducing the levelized cost of energy. Their software has been used to develop more than 800 gigawatts of solar projects. Andrew mentions a lot of interesting insights during the interview. Some of them are how soft costs will reduce the cost of solar, for example, their PV design software, how this technology is also reducing the levelized cost of energy of solar PV projects, increasing efficiencies, and allowing more flexibility. She also talks about future trends in solar post-pandemic, and Andrea talks about her journey as an entrepreneur and how when they started Rated Power, that they bootstrapped the company instead of raising VC funding, which I thought was very interesting. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm excited to interview Andrea Barber. She's the CEO and co-founder for Rated Power. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Benoit. Thanks for having me. Anytime. In the intro, we talked about Rated Power, but it would be great if you could talk more about your company. Of course, at Rated Power... Our mission is to digitalize the renewable energy industry and to maximize clean energy's potential through disrupting and user-friendly cloud-based solutions. So we started this business because my two co-founders and I worked for several years in the industry, and we experienced firsthand how inefficient engineering processes are in many cases. And we saw a huge potential for improving them by using digital technologies. At Rated Power, we firmly believe that by emerging technology and engineering, we can make the most of solar power and make its implementation cheaper and much more efficient. After many years working together on the development, construction, and engineering of renewable energy plants, we joined forces and we decided to streamline these design processes to come up with a more efficient and accurate solution. We have a team of over 40 people formed by engineers and developers with broad experience in the energy sector. And we work day by day to bring the maximum value to developers, to IPPs, to EPCs, our contractors, engineers, and also investors and manufacturers, and to help them to make better decisions. We are in Madrid. You should notice my accent. We're based in, in the sunny Madrid in Spain, but we operate all over the world, including the U.S., and we have a very diverse and multicultural team of experts in renewables. Yep. That's a great description, Andrea. Can you talk about your PV design product? So PV design is a cloud-based software to automate and optimize the feasibility study analysis 
design and engineering uh, photovoltaic plants in all the different stages. And we sped up the design and engineering processes of large-scale solar PV projects to boost team's efficiency, to increase accuracy and reduce the construction costs of PV plants in LCOE while increasing asset profitability. We work for all the different agents within the large-scale solar industry, like developers, IPPs, EPCists, or contractors, investors, and also equipment manufacturers. With our software PV design, we what we do is to streamline the process so that we reduce the number of hours the engineering teams spend by 85%. And our algorithms scan millions of iterations out the finding the right configuration of the solar asset. And then you can also, the user can perform comparison matrix and sort the best configuration to meet your requirements, the one you want to prioritize. And this has proven to produce more than 5% of energy compared to the standard parameters used in the sector. So at the end of the day, what we want also is to increase the competitiveness of solar energy and reduce CO2 emissions. That's pretty amazing innovation. Yeah, that was one of the case studies that we carried out with one of our customers. Andrea, it would be great to get your perspective of how software could you know, innovate for the solar industry and cut costs and improve productivity. Can you go into that in more detail? Sure. So cost of electricity from new solar PV farms have fallen 82% since 2010, according to Irina, right? Our audience might know the main lever for cost reduction lies in improving the efficiency of PV panels, which prices have fallen roughly 80% since 2009, and even more as larger scale plants are built thanks to the economies of scale. So other improvements are also expected in the plant balance of system, the VOS, the O&M, like the automation of panel cleaning, or in potential technological disruptions such as nanotechnology or 5G, which could significantly increase model and grid efficiency. Now, without any doubt, the implementation of software in different aspects of the value chain, like asset management, O&M, the design and engineering, financial modeling, intelligent grids or storage modeling, have and will play a significant role in PV cost reduction and will have a huge positive impact on people and industries. It would be interesting to get your perspective on, you know, Andrea, about the technology is just changing so quickly. And from when you initially designed a project to when it's actually built, especially when you talk about like utility scale projects, like the equipment, for example, is like changing so quickly, meaning like the type of panel, the wattage, even whether it's a fixed tilt or single access tracker. Can you go into like how you're able to use your technology? Because that's a lot of man hours potentially, but it sounds like your technology technology is able to reduce that and basically iterate and create a lot of value for your customer. Exactly. So the main thing that I would say, the main added value of PV design is not only to decrease the, the number of hours of the engineering team, but also to maximize the profitability of the solar plant so that you can try before having PV design, what companies used to do is to spend a lot of man hours just trying to figure out what is the best configuration, but it's not something obvious to the human brain, to a team of engineers that just with the AutoCAD and your computer, you have to say, okay, this is the way I'm going to display the whole layout. 
So this time with PV design, our algorithms just decide which equipment and which criteria you want to use. And then our algorithms scan millions of iterations until finding the right configuration. So that's the main value that we provide, that we you can really decrease the, the LCOE by using the software and optimizing the project at this stage in the feasibility study and conceptual engineering and basic engineering. Companies usually don't have so much resources to allocate for that phase and yes. they don't have enough time. So what we saw in the past working as engineers and developers was that the price weren't optimized. The teams weren't paying enough attention to that part of the process and it's critical for the final outcome. Definitely. That's really great. And thank you for explaining. It's interesting because you talked about like feasibility and obviously like PV design is one of the parts of feasibility. Can you talk about the way that your software does other sorts of feasibility as well? I'm you know, thinking more of the financial tool, but it would be great to understand how you're helping your customers with like doing feasibility analysis. Perfect. Our product, PV Design, is very easy to use. The user first has to define the site where the PV plan will be located by uploading a KML or KMZ file with the exclusion areas, where is the substation, the access roads, MV cables and delivery point. And then they choose the topography, including the earthworks calculations and meteorological data from the available databases. And, and also you can upload your own source. And then the user selects different parameters and criteria like the civil and electrical configuration, the equipment they want to use, the model, the inverter, and the structure, define the interconnection facility, and then determine the energy losses. Also along the process, PV Design also recommends the optimal input values in case you want to use it, or you can also select the ones you want. Once the user has selected the different parameters and configuration, PV Design scans millions of iterations. It provides the best layout results in just a few seconds. The user can iterate its configuration as many times as needed to achieve the optimum design while maximizing the profitability and the value of the PV plant. And they can also compare the different results and sort out the best configuration. And then in just a few seconds, the software generates hundreds of pages of engineering documentation to carry out to participate in energy auctions, to do all the different permitting with different institutions. And we provide the layout with all the different layers in AutoCAD, the bill of quantities, the energy yield results, the single line diagrams, medium and low voltage, the substation project, also many more in interactive 3D and in editable format. And also all the documentation is generated in different languages. The last one we included oh, is the Chinese for the Chinese customers that we have. And also you can select the international or imperial units and also the standards that you want to use. I would like to point out that PV Design runs in a secure cloud, so all business data is highly safe. What's interesting as well is that you're involved pretty much in the whole process. It would be interesting actually to get your perspective on what technologies are used in solar projects by different geographies and why. Like I thought that was pretty interesting because 
there's so much data that you probably have on the cloud and there's so much analysis that's valuable to your company and the industry. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective on that. Yeah, that's tricky because we have a lot of very useful information, but at the same time, we have to be very careful with the information because the first thing for us is the confidentiality of our customers and the security. But absolutely, we gather a lot of very interesting information and data. So I think last year, PV Design was used to simulate a total of 1,884 gigawatts, I think, of solar capacity around the world. The type of inverter design used for simulations greatly by country and the dominant style of installations, right? In Australia, I think it was 93% used a central inverter configuration, while in Germany, for example, it was 89 of the 3.8 gigawatts of projects used the string inverters. In Italy, simulations were more even split with 51% using a string inverters. And for solar trackers versus fixed structure, it really varied by location. In Germany, 96% were fixed, followed by 90% in France. Whereas in Australia and Spain, where utility scale plants are growing rapidly, 91 and 76 of simulations, respectively, use tracker. Regarding the US, you led the use of bifacial PV panels, as you might forecast, where they accounted for 55.60% of the simulations. And large-scale US projects have quickly adopted bifacial technology as it's more cost-effective and also motivated by the tax exception granted by the government. And in Europe, the adoption of bifacial panels varies widely. While 51% of simulations in France use bifacial panels, only 6.5% in the UK and 3% in Germany use the technology. So it's really interesting. That is interesting. That's actually very surprising because in the US, you know, everyone's using pretty much bifacial panels and single access trackers. Exactly. So that's interesting. If a listener of the podcast was interested in the PV design product, is it a subscription-based service or how does it work? PV Design is sold as a software as a service with subscription plans. And these plans depend on the number of projects our customer perform over a year. Unlikely traditional engineering desktop software like, for example, AutoCAD, our plans include unlimited users, which is very interesting because it's a great way to leverage collaboration between teams and a great way to increase efficiency as you have the same subscription and you can share the projects with subsidiaries in Brazil, Mexico, Africa, the US or Europe, right? So basically we have customers that are two people developing projects in Colombia or one engineer in Portugal or huge companies, cross-border multinationals. So yeah. It depends on the volume of projects that a companies perform. That's great to explain. And that's great too, that you do like unlimited users. As you said, it creates more collaboration within the company. And it sounds like with your product that it's really helpful if people are not, you know, concerned about a subscription limit or meaning a number of users that you could use it because then it hurts collaboration. So that's interesting. What I thought was really interesting too, as well, was you have a lot of great content like on your website. And I read the Renewable Energy Solar Research Report, what's in store for 2021 and how renewable energy will play like an essential role in post-COVID economy. Can you talk about these analyses and studies that your company did and what were the major findings of it? 
So the renewable energy industry emerged from 2020 with fresh impetus to help countries meet their carbon emissions reduction goals while also stimulating economy recovery from this devastating COVID-19 pandemic. So coming off the record year of growth in 2020, industry professionals say the pandemic had a limited impact on their investment plans as they took a longer term perspective, which is great. They perceive solar, wind and hydrogen technologies as having the biggest potential for success in this decade. They expect government policy to continue playing a crucial role in facilitating their plans for renewable deployment, point a lack of incentives as a major challenge. We have to consider that this, all these data are from all the different customers around the world. Obviously, it varies depending on the continent. And in Europe, for example, we have now these recovery funds for the pandemic. And I think the situation will be a bit different. And also technological solutions like data analytics, software and innovation in solar materials will help them to get the best out of their projects. I'm centering that the time ahead will be an exciting period of change for the industry. A change led by what I consider to be some of the most promising trends like digitalization, energy storage, new technologies like AI, blockchain, 5G and the hydrogen revolution. As a leading authority in the solar industry, life gets very busy. In addition to traveling the world as a speaker and for my entrepreneurial ventures, I'm a son, friend, investor, and entrepreneur. And when it comes to delivering a great sounding show for my listeners, I choose Podcast Laundry. All I have to do is record and send and the rest is done. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, social media graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up your time to do more of what you love like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347-871-8273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273 that's pretty amazing like the trends that you're talking about and so much is going to change so quickly and you know i think you as well which is amazing the company that you've created is really taking advantage of you know what's the next things that we can do to lower the cost of solar with as you mentioned digitization and the iterations that you're able to do in the collaboration and then within the design process and development and construction with engineering so that's really impressive and it's amazing what you're doing i mean i would like to add that what we've been seeing is that dramatically falls in the equipment costs and the fierce competition in tenders reveal efficiency as a key factor to stand out from the crowd, right? So now I think it's more important than ever to make confident data and insight-driven decisions. And this has a huge impact in maximizing the profitability and the value of solar PV plants. And according to our customers, PV design boosts the competitiveness of solar energy, resulting in a 20% increase of the asset profitability in some cases. Wow, I didn't realize it was that high. That's pretty amazing. 20% is a huge value. Exactly. It depends, obviously, on every customer and different solar PV plants. But we have some testimonials of customers saying that. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I don't know if you've read like most solar projects are actually underperforming what the expectations were. So that's great to hear, especially like utility scale CNI. So that's amazing that you're you know more efficient or the production's higher than the original expectations, which obviously leads to more revenue and profitability. 
I was wondering, are you doing anything in storage or solar plus storage with your PV design tool or... Is there any capability for that at this point? So we're working on that right now. Yeah, that's something that we believe will be the future. And a lot of attention is now in the hydrogen and how to maximize the storage. And, and we think that this in a medium term, more or less short, medium term, is something that everyone will be using. So we're starting to investigate to do some R&D on that and to try to figure out which is the best solution to provide in the software. But yes, we have a team that is dedicated on that right now. That's interesting to hear. And I'm sure it's like going to be a huge opportunity, especially as the cost of batteries go down and there's more incentives you know, in countries and different states to incentize energy storage. So that's interesting to hear. I wanted to get your perspective too. Like hydrogen is something in the US that people are talking a lot more about, but I think it's a lot more popular in Europe than it is in the US. But it seems like it's an emerging opportunity. Can you talk about you know hydrogen and what you're seeing? We've been hearing about hydrogen for a while and it looks like the hydrogen revolution is going to happen some years ago and we keep hearing about that. But we are now really confident about it. A lot. We have... The first pilot projects being built in Spain with hydrogen and photovoltaics. And we are keeping an eye very closely to how it evolves, especially for smaller plants, which at the beginning we have some concerns. But we also have a lot of hounds from the European Commission and the Spanish government dedicated to that. So I'm quite optimistic that this is something that will make a change in the storage and in photovoltaics. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity with hydrogen. And it'll be interesting as well to you know hear more about those plants with solar and hydrogen combined in Spain. It's amazing to hear the story of rated power, but it would be great if you could go into more detail. You talked a little bit about it, but what made you start the company? I know you worked with two of your co-founders to start it, and maybe it would be as helpful as well to talk about your background in solar because you have a pretty extensive background in solar before you started the company. So my co-founders and I, we work together in the industry. It's one in a different, uh, let's say, discipline and we weren't co-workers in the daily base, but we knew each other and we got along quite well. We have a very similar vision about the future and about how we wanted to have a cleaner and more sustainable energy system. And we also had complementary professional skills and a huge motivation for creating value to the industry, starting up things. We were quite into entrepreneurs in our professional careers. And so I used to work in Brazil. I lived there for seven years and I worked many years in wind and also in solar. And one of my co-founders, he had some experience doing proprietary software for production modeling of solar thermal. And the other one was doing a lot of detailed engineering of large-scale solar PV plants. Mm -hmm. So the three of us had this passion to create and improve solutions that weren't in the market. And one day we were discussing how inefficient in general the engineering processes are, not only in, in solar and in renewables, but in general, along as with many other industries that are transforming right now, but that are still quite inefficient. And what made us start the company was suffering this pain ourselves as developers and engineers. We spotted the need 
to have a tool as PVD yeah. sign working together in the industry. And we saw firsthand that traditional methodology to design solar photovoltaic plants requires a huge effort from an engineering team. And often the lack of time and resources of those teams lead them to not to find the best solution. And it was a worldwide problem. We could see this regardless the region or the size of the company. And we realized the need of a tool like this. So we tried to look for other solutions in the market. We couldn't find anything that was meeting these requirements, which is to help design and to do the configuration of the utility scale solar plants. And we decided to try to automate a solution to automate the whole workflow. We also saw that and worked in the past with other software and tools which had automated other processes like the Meto data calculation for site selection. They had become market standards like PVSYST. So we decided to do the same for PV plan design and engineering. So yeah, and as I said, the three of us had like the same vision and the same values. And I think that's key also because the three of us wanted to start businesses before, but it was actually the first time that three of us started something because for us, it was really important also on what to work and who are your partners, right? How did you determine like that they would be good fit? It sounds like you have similar values, which is huge. And Paul wanted to start a company. I guess what gave you that confidence to start your first company? That's a good question. So yeah, one of them was working a lot in software lately. He has a, an industrial engineering background. He had started to code and to know about software development. And the other one was the one that knew more about the photovoltaic technology. And I was more familiarized with the business. I was an expat in Brazil and I also uh, was in charge of Latin American markets and then uh, the whole group business development. So I think it was interesting how we joined forces with three different perspectives of the businesses. And also we work in the same company, but as I said, I was living in Brazil and they were living in, in the headquarters in Spain. And we used to see each other every quarter because I used to come every quarter and we had a good relationship. We weren't friends, but we got along really well. It was like very easy to work with each other. So I think it was like all the different planets were aligned at the right <laughs> moment. Also in our personal lives, it was like some time to move on to do something new for the three of us. We were constantly looking for new challenges and, and I think it was a bit of everything. It was uh, also very important that we were very worried about the climate change we still are. Yeah. And one of the things that made us become closer is that the three of us love to go to the mountains, love activities outdoors and nature. So even though we had experience in other sources of renewable energies, we believe that solar was the one leading the pace of the change of the energy transition. And we wanted to contribute to do something greater and to feel better that we are trying kind of contributing at some point to make the world a better place and a future more cleaner, right? And greener. I think that was like a bit of everything, but without any doubt, it was also because of the vision and the mission. Like you have to be very, very convinced to start a business about the industry, that you like it, that you like to read about the different things that are happening. And also the three of us love a lot the innovation and technology. So we were like, why don't we use technology and engineering to create better solutions? And we see this in 
different aspects in different technologies and different industries. There is so much potential for things to be more efficient. Definitely. And what you're doing is creating efficiencies and a lot of value, lowering the cost and as well increasing you know, output for solar energy projects. And do you have any other suggestions for anyone looking to be an entrepreneur? I know you gave several, which were great. So I think my suggestion would be to speak with potential customers with the industry in general that you are trying to start something up, to interview them without fear, to share your idea. Don't think that someone will steal your idea. I think like the most important thing is the execution. So you have to make sure the idea is good and is shared between the different stakeholders and players and different potential customers. So don't be shy or don't be scared of asking for others' opinion, especially in the same market. Also to surround yourself with an entrepreneur community. For us, it was incredibly helpful to meet other people that have been there and, and to get advice from them. And we are now doing it with younger generations, with others that are starting right now. You have a lot done if you know people that have already gone through the same things that you're going through. And also in the worst case scenario, you will learn a lot. I think we were always saying in the six first months of the company that it was like doing 10 MBAs (laughs) in a (laughs) row. So yeah, I think you will always get something. Those are great suggestions, Andrea. The one that I would say that you said that really resonates with me is it's not just about the idea, it's about execution. Because I meet so many potential entrepreneurs who think their idea is so proprietary and they're not willing to test the idea with, as you said, like potential customers. But it's really about execution. Absolutely, it's 100%. One of the things too I thought was really interesting as well during the pre-interview when we were speaking was about how you've bootstrapped the company. Can you talk about like what made you and your team decide to bootstrap? Yes, I think it was because from the very beginning, we reached break-even. I think it was in the third month after founding. We started to be cash flow positive, but we didn't. We were the three of us. And I think in the fourth or five months, we hired our first engineer. And we started also asking some VCs and investors around, but the deals we were getting, they didn't look fair to us because we were getting deals like 120,000 euros for 20% of the company. And we hadn't started to do sales. We were just very focused on product. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, let's wait a little bit. We will have more revenue from our customers and maybe we can finance ourselves with our customers. Also, we didn't know about the huge VC board that was out there. I studied business and I was taught that in order to start a business, I had to be a business plan and make it profitable. So that's what we did. And then I learned about this huge ecosystem that is nothing compared to the US startup ecosystem, but in Spain, it's starting to grow with some exits that started like 10 years ago. And we are building a very nice ecosystem now here. So after that, like in the fourth month after founding the company, we started learning about the VCs options and meeting a lot of investors. But we didn't think it was the right moment at the time because we wanted to see how we can start selling ourselves and scaling a little bit more. And then when the moment was right to start raising, we got some European Commission and Spanish government grants. 
which were like our seed rounds. So now we are considering to start raising in our Series A. So yeah, we are very rare case. I don't know if I could start again from the beginning, if I would have gone like this uh, really lean and bootstrapping, or if I would have chosen to go with this. It's good thing is that now we have almost 100% of the company and we have good revenue and we're cash flow positive. So now we're in a better position to raise. I appreciate you sharing that. I think, you know, some people feel like without outside capital, you can't uh, have a business, but you were able to be profitable pretty quickly. And revenue obviously helps with uh, maintaining a business and moving forward. One of the other things too that I thought was interesting as well, like you've been involved or the company's been involved in a lot of, you know, different accelerators, the Elemental Accelerator, Techstars, and Google Fellow. Like, can you talk about your experiences and why was it valuable and what did you learn from it? Absolutely. So I think you have to be very selective and very picky because there is a lot of noise. And every time more and more people are trying to start accelerator programs and there's a lot of options out there. But we were very selective and I'm really happy with the different programs that we participated. We went through Elemental Accelerator from the US and Techstars and also Google for Startups Residency Program helped us a lot. We were having an office for the first two and a half years for free and a lot of support from Google. For us, it was a great way for early stage entrepreneurs or companies to learn and start scaling their operations. They help companies to set the right foundations. We met a lot of professionals and we learned a lot of different aspects of the business and how to build a great team. And also the most important thing for us was to do like founder to founder, meeting other yeah. founders facing similar challenges to us was unpayable. I don't know if the company would be very different, but I'm quite sure it would be. And the culture would be very different if it weren't for the programs we participated. What's the best way for the audience to learn about Rated Power Are You? The best way to know more about the company is to visit our website, ratedpower.com. Andrea, this has been an amazing interview. I appreciate you making the time. And I'm excited to see the future for Rated Power. It seems like it's just the beginning and there'll be an exponential growth happening. So it's really exciting to see it and look forward to learning more in the future. Thank you, Benoit. It's my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me and for giving us a chance of showing Rated Power and introducing us to the world. And congratulations on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown.